Welcome back, everybody, for episode two of Tokyo Table Talk. All right. Tokyo Table Talks, our weekly unscripted podcast where we talk about things like dungeons and dragons. So uh, today at the table, we've got me, Vincent, who plays Atlas. We have DM Mike and... I'm Dragor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right into things today. Now, today's topic, we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition and yeah. what's good and bad about it. Mm. So I think at the table collectively, we've got a lot of years of experience playing tabletop role playing definitely. games. Definitely, yeah. I mean, 5th edition is the relatively new game. Uh, it's the new hotness. I would say to to start us off, though, I would definitely say mostly good about 5th edition. Mm. Um, but um, so to give some background, though, I'm coming from, I started with 2nd edition, but my experience comes from 3.5. Well, and like everyone really, like, I think anyone who's played Dungeons and Dragons in the last decade pretty much comes from 3, 3.5 Pathfinder yeah. and has moved into 5. Mm. Definitely. Right. Yeah, I played some old stuff, uh, some Dark Sun-like mm-hmm. uh, style character, I remember, because I think one of our party members was a Thrykreen or Thrykreen, oh, yeah. was. Yeah, Jesus. yeah, the bugs. His yeah, go-to yeah. move was to bite the head off of his yeah. enemies. I don't remember which editions I'd played, I just remember what the player handbook looked like, and I'm like, that's the one I had, and uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff, and Right away, I when it comes to things I like, I like that they. If there's one of those things, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. And they did. I feel like they did that or messed it up with the combat system structure in general going into fourth, when oh, fourth you had your yeah. at will, once per encounter, once, right, per, once day. per day. Now some of those abilities might be nice, but mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, so I'm gonna attack this way, or I'm gonna attack this way. And then, oh, I'll use my encounter one now. Like, right. it might simplify it for some people, but I liked the complete customizing whatever of the general combat wins. Oh, either I attack or I do this kind of action. And if it's something that's not just a general attack, then you're like, okay, you want to try this? Okay, well, roll for it. Let's see if, let's see if you do it. And yeah. You get more things more open between you and the DM that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, fourth edition was kind of a departure from the, the role playing aspect of the tabletop role playing game, mm-hmm. which is not to say that it's bad. I know several people who really like fourth edition, mm-hmm. and we're not going to disparage any of the systems here, except for that we know everybody at the table knows that fourth edition was objectively <laughs> the worst one. But fourth edition kind of took. Uh, a big step away from the role-playing aspect and made it more about the, like, combat, the the abilities to use during mm. fights. Mm-hmm. And if that's the kind of game that you're looking for, then 4th edition was great. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was not the game that a lot of people were looking for, though. Uh, oh, that's <laughs> the thing about Dungeons & Dragons, is that it's not that you must play 5th edition now. Mm-hmm. You can always play the edition you like most. But, but let's uh, let's start it from the beginning, though. Character creation in 5th edition. Oh, character creation. I mean, I don't really think that there's a lot different in the beginning bits of character creation between 5th and 3rd. Right. Like, you, you roll your stats, mm-hmm. or you do point or do by, point by right, or you right. do standard array. Yeah. And those have all been pretty, like, cut, pretty and, cut and standard, standard for the past several editions. Mm-hmm. But I personally really miss putting points into skills. Yeah, mm. I feel that's the elephant in the room when you're comparing Which three, five to five. Which was based on intelligence, correct? On oh, the yes. system? Yeah, it was yes. based on your Each intelligence. Level, and you s- get a certain number of points you mm-hmm. can put right, in. Right, right, right. So you could have some real good specialization there. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, and the fact that now that there's only, like, 15 skills in the game, everything mm-hmm. sort of gets put under that umbrella. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, stealth. Stealth now counts for picking pockets... Your, no, I guess it's sleight of hand, or, isn't or it? Or yeah. like, sl- mm-hmm. hiding, sneaking, and yeah, just... Uh, well, move silently and hide were mm-hmm. the two big mm-hmm. stealth skills. That they've put into stealth, and it's like, well, okay, mm-hmm. you could be pretty silent, but also be huge and impossible to hide right. if you were like a giant snake or something. Yeah, yeah. But now giant snakes can hide too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know. Like, that was that was the thing that I really liked in the character creation was like, okay, well, I can actually take you know, profession as a skill. Yes. Yes, it was a story thing that kind of objectively burned points that you could have been putting into Mm -hmm. things that were Mm -hmm. more useful towards the game mechanics. 
but it it loses a little bit of like well you know my my character was a blacksmith mm-hmm. he has the skill to prove it uh-huh right in fifth edition if your character was a blacksmith okay he was a blacksmith right what right. skills did that give him mm-hmm. I mean they do have the backgrounds for that you can take the artisan background you can say oh I was from a blacksmithing family and you you do get skills and abilities to show for that. But it doesn't feel like it's yours, like no, it does in 3.5. At most, you might be able to say, oh, what I noticed this kind of thing, or what I know this right. knowledge, and be like, well, you were a sailor, so do it with advantage, or exactly, something like that. Yeah, and yeah. that's good, but it's not what it would have been in previous right, editions, right. where blacksmithing would have been like, oh, you have a bit more when it comes to anything that you roll in regards to armor or weapons, if you try to do something, you know, you're going to be just naturally more handy with it, so you'll have extra point or two in that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is a bit more more role-playing focused when it comes to your background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I feel like that's a good thing. Mm. Like, anything that, that puts the onus on the playing of the role more than, like, the rolling of the die mm. right. is good. Yeah. But I, I feel like we're missing a trick still. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. For me, one of the biggest things I've noticed is that part of character creation, especially when you go from any class and or if you go into and then you go into fighter, is feats. Feats yes. I felt oh, like was a lot feats. more involved in previous editions. For example, if I decide to go with a fighter, the main thing about being a fighter is like, oh, I'm going to do two weapon fighting, right? And I'm going to do like finesse or whatever. Right. So that, mm-hmm. I mean, get extra cleave, awesome get great this. cleave. Oh, can you imagine Dragor with cleave? Oh my god! Like, <laughs> just, he already does enough. Not now given, I would totally be going for that if I could. But still, um, there's the <laughs> the things are spread out a bit more so that the feats only come in when you get your stat point, your stat point or feat. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. previous editions, there were a lot more feats, so you would have more focus, more specialization in your character and how they work. So you wouldn't just be a rogue with some benefits in these things. You really would be specific, like, oh, I'm just awesome when it comes to anything traps or unlocking, mm-hmm. and that's my thing, and Back I'm going to do we good. we had dungeoneering like, as a skill. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. right. Like, it's guaranteed that you're going to be good at that, whereas here it's like, oh, this is kind of your focus, so you might have an extra point or two in that, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to in previous, if you really invested in it, it's like, oh, this one thing I'm going to do awesome at. I'm probably going to suck at some other stuff, but this is my thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of how humans are in the real world. Mm-hmm. Like, I did circus for a while, so I can do tumbling, mm-hmm. I can do tightrope and junk, but my main focus in it is object manipulation. Mm-hmm. I'm a significantly better staff spinner than I am a unicyclist. Mm-hmm. But yeah. if, if, if I were taking this in 5th edition, I would take the circus performer background or right. whatever, and then I'd be good at circus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that, like you lose a lot of the the specificity that your character could have. Right. So you really have to like play it up in story mm-hmm. instead of being able to just be like, well, you can look at my character sheet and see what kind of character he is. Mm-hmm. In this case, you look at the character sheet and the eight-page backstory that you've written up and the notes on the campaign, and then you might be able to see what kind of character it is. Yeah. And that's ultimately what it does come down to is that rule zero of between you, the, the DM, and the other players at the table, the rules are just guidelines. a guideline. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there is always that. However, for new players coming in a fifth, it, it is easier to roll up a character, but when we look at the amount of skills at the table and we call for checks on, for example, like, oh, let's make a survival check, and three of the six players are proficient... <clears throat> That wouldn't happen in 3.5. No. no. It would be very, very specifically focused. And now given your rogue or certain other you know, warrior classes might have certain aspects of when it comes to reflexes or being able to respond to things, um, it was definitely more focused on that uh, back then. Mm-hmm. Um, like you might have a passive you know, skill check thing that would happen that if you weren't ready for it. Right. Um, here, you have to, like, prepare for everything in order to be able to roll for it or do well. Like, yeah, so things are a little more general. Here, yeah. But it is a good starting point, yeah. definitely. Well, and that's the, like, the, another thing about the whole having skills and stuff is, like, if I take the bard class, mm-hmm. I am instantly proficient in some skills. Yes. Where in 3.5 in the previous mm-hmm. editions, if I took bard class, I had the opportunity right. to be proficient class in specific skills, skills yeah. 
that uh, you know you get uh, class skills, cross class yes. skills, mm. where it, oh, it would take class. you. Yeah, it takes you more effort to be good at it because it's right. not something that you normally do, and I think that's really cool. But in fifth edition, gaining new skills is next to impossible. Yeah. You have to take a feat to do it, or you have to have a GM that's like, you've practiced enough right. at this thing, now you have proficiency yeah, in right. it. Or take level dips. Yeah, Ugh, Level it, dips, man. The, yeah, the skill things, back in the previous editions, if I did something like, oh, if I did my halfling rogue, everything I did was based on every other part. So right. the stats I rolled completely focused around me being a rogue. Mm -hmm. You know, the skills that I choose specifically focus on being a rogue to get the maximum benefit. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, I do that in 5th edition, but I think it's not as involved because there are less skills and there ends up being less points I'm able to put in. And so it feels just a bit different that when I want to be like a halfling rogue that really is into, you know, if my dex is high enough, then I chances are I won't be getting hit that much, and I'll be focused highly on, like, you know, tumbling or athletics or something based on my character. Uh, there's a lot more uh, different kinds of skills as opposed to just, oh, do athletics. Mm -hmm. Like, right, you have your right. tumbling, you have tumbling, your balance. Tumbling, jump, swim, balance. Yeah. And yeah. so you really can be focused on what you're trying to do mm -hmm. as opposed to, I want to try this. Oh, well, I guess that follows under... Uh, athletics. Whereas right. here, it's right. like, I'm going to do this thing. Okay, that's definitely a balance and tumble. Yes. Give me mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess it just comes down to you lose the nuance in a character here. You do. Because, like, and, like, that's, again, like, in, in the previous editions, you could put, like, two points into a skill to show that you've got passing knowledge yeah. of it. Yeah. But yeah. here, if you have proficiency with it, you are an expert. Yes. And I feel like that's, that's a, a propensity towards... The idea that people who are playing a tabletop role-playing game are heroes mm -hmm. as opposed to adventurers. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if you're a hero, you have to be a paragon of your thing. Yeah. You have to be great at all the things your character does, because otherwise it's not this like epic sort of, sort of story. Mm. Like uh, barbarians, for instance. They are great at smashing junk. Mm -hmm. And a 5th edition barbarian mm -hmm. is the best at smashing junk. Yeah. But if you built a 3rd edition Barbarian and had him fight a 5th edition Barbarian, mm. the 5th edition Barbarian would probably, by and large, beat the hell out of the 3rd edition one. Oh, mainly because they're taking half damage on all the on all hits. <laughs> well, yeah. we're going to talk about we'll that in a minute, I think. <laughs> but so, you've done, you got your skill proficiencies, you've chosen your class. Mm -hmm. What do you feel about not being your actual class until, in most cases, 3rd level, sometimes 2nd level? And this is in 5th edition? 5th yeah. Because it takes yeah. a while for certain things to kick in, whereas right. in the 3.5 or others, you definitely are more, you know, focused, and you have a history of being this thing. Right. Even at one or two levels. Yes, yes. Whereas here, it's like, I'm not really feeling very barbarian-ish until I get, like, oh, this specific skill, right, or this right. benefit, or my rage. Yep. You know, I'm not you, really You that. hit three, mm -hmm. you get to choose your path or your subclass, yeah. and then you're you are actually your thing. Yeah, well, and that goes with the having removed prestige classes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which is something that I dearly miss, because yeah. Bard is kind of garbage at seven and eight, but, like, the, the, the idea that you start... In 5th edition, you start as a guy with slightly more skills. Mm -hmm. And then once you get a couple levels in it, you suddenly become that, that thing, like mm -hmm. the better version of that thing, I think is... It, like, it goes with story of the hero, you know, where you the, the hero has, like, responsibility thrust upon them and doesn't want to do it, but then, mm -hmm. you know, there's that entire cycle that they talk about in fiction all the time. And I feel like that's kind of more what we're looking at here, where in third edition, if you have a level in a class, you're already better than most people. Yeah. Right, right. Where in this one, like, if I'm a level one fighter, I could probably take someone who's in the town guard Mm -hmm. who is, like, the, the level one NPC class warrior or something like that. Right. But, like, once I get to level three, that's when I really become heroic. Yes. Because you go from zero to hero real fast in fifth edition. You do, yeah. you do. And I like the whole, you mentioned prestige class, and I like that in the other ones, because my example being is I would play the, the rogue, mm -hmm. and I would choose, oh, am I going 
assassin? Am I going swashbuckler? Am I going what? And each one has its own focus. Oh, swashbuckler means you get proficient in these skills. Oh, thank mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. you get this thing. I'm like, that's awesome. And maybe you'll get a little extra benefit in like charisma or extra with these kind of roles, but not just charisma, but persuade mm-hmm. and then or assassin is like you know you get this benefit with these weapons or you can do poison a little stuff. extra boost and mm-hmm. right. like it just makes it gives you something really to look forward to mm-hmm. not that i don't look forward to the stuff in my barbarian in fifth but i kind of ahead of time because i've taken a point or taken a level in fighter mm-hmm. because early on i'm like okay once i get to here i feel like i'm going to be satisfied with what i can get as a barbarian yeah. and I will look need to branch out. Right. right Whereas right, right. in in the previous editions, that might come up depending on your class, but chances are if I chose my halfling rogue or my barbarian, I'm like settled to be there for a while. Mm-hmm. Well and I mean like that's the thing like when I roll a character in three point five, <laughs> for instance, I roll up a like an elf wizard or something. And I immediately am already thinking, okay, at level six, since I will have these things, I have the possibility to go into lore master. Right. Because right. then I gain all this extra stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or I could go into Shadow Dancer mm-hmm. because I can and you don't get that in fifth edition. In mm-hmm, fifth edition mm-hmm. you kind of know where you're going from the beginning and you don't really have a lot of choice in in that matter. Like, once you hit level three, you can choose, am I going the path of light or the path of dark, or whatever it is. And then you're set in that path, unless you want to multi-class, and oh, fifth edition multi-classing. Yeah, because of that, because you do not get your abilities until three, uh, some classes, it is two, but if you want to multi-class, you usually have to dip two or three levels before it's even worth your time. Right. And if you are level six and you're looking at level seven, not quite sure you want to continue down your base class, you you are not really going to be useful until you're nine or ten. Mm-hmm. And by then, your other party members who went full fighter, who went full wizard, they're... It's night and day between the two of you. Oh, yeah. You lose a lot of your efficacy as a character if mm-hmm. you multi-class because you're taking... A huge dip in... You're essentially taking a huge dip in experience points Mm -hmm. for very little payoff Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Unless you go into fighter. If you dip one fighter, you suddenly get a bunch of good stuff. If you dip one barbarian, you suddenly get a bunch of of good stuff. Those are the two things that you should really look at. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I've been seeing have been saying, like, the best build is one fighter, one barbarian, two warlock, and then who gives a shit. (laughs) Right, pretty much, pretty much. Oh... And, like, if you if you can immediately have that meta, it's like, what is this, Magic the Gathering? Mm-hmm. Now everyone knows what the best deck is, mm-hmm. and everyone mm-hmm. builds that? No, but see, in Magic the Gathering, I see people doing that, and I just say, screw it, I'm making an unglued deck. Just oh, yeah. Of it. You know, you make your, your dumb gimmick decks or whatever. <laughs> and, like, that's kind of how I play tabletops as mm-hmm. well, because I kind of don't care about being the most powerful or whatever. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people can see what fifth edition has done and is like well okay obviously we're not taking ranger because it's garbage yeah ranger's a bit rough so nobody plays rangers yeah and everyone who wants to be really powerful has to take warlock two and barbarian one Mm -hmm. Mm because barbarian one you immediately get that half damage when you rage which is ridiculous Mm -hmm. by Mm -hmm. the way let's talk about that for a second number of moments i've lost count over what's going on just because I automatically just go into a rage. Right. And thus, I, on average, except for those fun magic moments, mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Corey, um, <laughs> I will take mm-hmm. some damage. Um, and so, yeah. Well, you're effectively doubling your hit points at the beginning of every fight. Right, right, How right. ridiculous is that? And being on a D12 hit die, it's going to get pretty high very quickly. <laughs> yep. You're going to say, you're going to be in your maybe level 8, level 9, you're already pushing almost 100 HP. Now that's 200. And now it puts some stress on me as the DM where how can I challenge Dragor? Because mm-hmm. now I have to either... I can't do one big bad monster. That That's out, that's mm-hmm. off the table now. Because it's it's going to get tanked and mm-hmm. it's just going to whittle... It's going to be whittled down by the party very quickly. Oh, yeah. So I have to either put in multiple monsters... I have to put in one meat shield to keep Dragor busy and then other <laughs> monsters to challenge the party. Or, the thing is that there's a base... Uh, the number of actions is still limited even for Dragor, who still has mm-hmm. a decent amount of actions mm-hmm. with his rage. Mm-hmm. You throw in 
a large enough number of kobolds, right? And it could still right. be a it's still tough because there are only so many actions, the action economy, taken, yeah, which is good, yeah. Um, and then you can still kind of manage it. How much does the party get hurt? As opposed, to, even though Dragon Party won't get hurt, how much, <laughs> how much will the party get hurt? And if the party's getting hurt, then you cause have to manage and organize, and that yeah. can go a certain way. But because uh, one big monster. If it's a challenge for Dragor, it's going to rip apart the others. Yes. Oh, it's going to stomp yes, us. Exactly, exactly. Like, Atlas the Bard is the same level as Koray the Sorcerer, yeah. and Koray has more hit points <clears throat> than Atlas. Yeah. Atlas would get stomped on by anything big enough to make mm-hmm. Dragor pause for a second. Mm-hmm. So, like, it must be really difficult on you, Mike, to just be like, okay, well, uh, we have a, an encounter today, so it's got to be like we're going to put in a Gorgon. Mm-hmm. And now that we've got the Gorgon, which is the main thing, how do we deal with Dragor? Pretty much. Or how do we yeah. deal with Koray, who's got, like, stupid amounts of burst damage? Yeah, and that's the thing is, when you are balancing the combat encounters and it's deadly, it should be deadly for one party member. In this edition. In this edition. Mm-hmm. In this edition. Because deadly is not a TPK. Deadly is one of your party members going to drop. Mm-hmm. And that's we've been seeing that pretty consistently. Yeah, it's mostly that, Atlas. It's mostly <laughs> Atlas. Atlas and Corey. Mm-hmm. I think Corey is up there for KOs. Corey might be tying Atlas, yeah. And that gives you guys that oh shit moment, but never to where this fight may go badly. The mm-hmm. Holder fight was getting there, yeah. but because it used mechanics that I don't completely agree with, is round one, Dragor is slow, stoned, and sleeped. Mm-hmm. And now the player, Matt, you are out of the fight. Mm-hmm. And that is not a strong mechanic, I feel. No, it's like in in game design. Like yeah. we, when I was working on Ghostbusters, the board game too. Ghostbusters one had a mechanic where you got slimed, and if you got slimed, it reduced the amount of actions you could do during your turn. Mm-hmm. And if you were two slimes, you skipped your turn. Yeah, and that was boring. It was it's not bad. fun. It's not fun. So we had to switch that to be like, okay, well, it reduces your movement, or it reduces your line of sight, or something right. like that, because right. that made it so that you weren't eliminated from the game. Yeah, player yeah. elimination is an outdated mechanic now. Yeah, it is unless there's like a once you are eliminated, you do a different thing. Right. But right. at that point, right. it's not really player elimination anymore. Exactly. And yeah. the fighting, like the systems for this one, in order to take care of a big dude like Dragor, you remove him from the fight. Exactly. And that's bad. It's boring, yeah. It's not good for the players, it's not good for the GM. That whole thing makes things very difficult. It does. It really does. And if that, if you're not going to use that player elimination, if we're not going to use the status elements to remove a barbarian, 5th edition, they don't give us any options, anything new for that. Mm-hmm. The only really o- real option that you've got is to split the party up. Yeah, mm-hmm. And at that point, you put Dragor in a room with, like, six dudes, mm-hmm. and then everyone else gets to fight whatever mm-hmm. the main thing is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, like, you take uh, you take Koray and put him in an anti-magic circle, and right. now suddenly he's got to use his crossbow or something. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's, like, it's, it's not good. So, 5th edition's class abilities... It, like mm-hmm. especially especially the the barbarians half damage thing yeah really make it difficult to balance fights it does it does but like also the scaling with level spells yes mm. and that's why eldritch warlock. blast comes up yes yeah War- exactly, the only exactly. reason that people play warlock is to get eldritch blast right because it's a cantrip that's damage sp- like scales with your level. Right. Not so your caster level, not your warlock level. Your, your, character, your character level. Mm. So you can be a warlock two rogue fifteen. Yeah. And that counts as caster level nineteen or whatever. Yeah. And well seventeen, because I can math. But that's ridiculous. You don't gain more power as a spellcaster by learning how to tumble and pick locks. Right. Fifth edition you do. Okay, fine. <laughs> that's what you're saying. Sure. But that, that's rules as written, and it does not make a whole bunch of sense. I mean, I like the idea. Mm. I like the idea that you can get a spell, and as you grow, it grows with you. Mm-hmm. But you, I feel like you have to invest something in it at that point. Yeah. In order to get that spell to be stronger, you have to do something to make it stronger. 
you can't learn a spell when you're six and mm-hmm. then never use it for 15 years. Mm-hmm. And then the first time you use it when you're 31, it's like, oh, I'm level 25 now, by the way. You remember right. that one spell that you taught me when I was six? Blam! Boom, blew yeah. a hole in a dragon. Yeah. It's an, an awkward, weird balance on that one because on the one hand, I don't really like it. On the mm-hmm. other hand... I'm thinking that I might dip two into Warlock so that Atlas mm-hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. You gotta figure out what makes your character useful to your party. And that's another thing that I think 5th edition has really taken from us, mm-hmm. is having the the ability to be useful to your party at any level. Yeah. Because, like, you can take skills. Anyone who had a disabled device mm-hmm. was invaluable to the party. Right. So bards and rogues were great for that. Right. Anyone who had knowledge arcana was invaluable to the right. party. So wizards, sorcerers, and bards. Um, really, if you had a bard in the party, you're probably okay for a lot of the knowledge stuff. Yeah. But then, if you had a bard in the party in 3rd edition, this is actually kind of something that I do like a little bit more about 5th edition. Bards in 3rd edition were paper. They were mm-hmm. stay out of the fight if you want to make sure that you don't kill your character. You stayed out, you threw, like, heals and buffs on people, and you did nothing else. Now, granted, that's kind of what I'm doing this edition Mm -hmm. as well, but at least I've got, like, I can kind of hold my own in, like, a one-on-one duel with somebody. Yeah. You kind of couldn't do that back in 5th unless you were really, like, feet scumming, Mm. making sure that your your bard was taking feats that a bard would not take. Well, that's the thing, is when we talk about 3.5, are we talking about vanilla? 3-5, 3-5, because bards, they do have a pretty extensive spell list if we start getting into some of the other source books. That's true. Mm-hmm. Oh, and there's there's the other thing. Is That's like the other thing. Three point, uh, so 5th edition has got, like, what, two extra source books or something like and, that And right not now? even, because I, if you look at, like, Sword Coast Adventures, it is just lore. There's very few new mechanics. Mm-hmm. We're actually only getting our first new source book this uh, November with um, the guide to everything. Yes, which is going to be fantastic. That's, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But until then, we've had a bit of um, Unearthed Arcana, which half of it is useless, half of it is broken. And it, it's really been tough. It's been pretty dry. We have new monsters. We have adventures. So uh, many adventures. Wazoo, yeah. But actual new mechanics, new rules, new classes, abilities, and spells. It's been slim pickings. Yeah. Oh, there's Elemental Evil. We have that, which is... Uh, touches on a few different races there's a handful of spells in there but it's more different flavors of the same Mm -hmm. and i think that's part of fifth edition that it is if you look at the spells in fifth edition you can put them under only just a few categories of a status effect of damage where i felt three five had a lot more spells that do things yeah that makes any sense yeah well, because in 5th, you've got utility, damage, right. healing, and, uh, like, support. The support is pretty much gone in this, thanks to concentration. Yeah, especially for concentration. Like, haste, for instance. Right. What BS is haste such that you, who are the spellcaster, cast haste on someone else, and then you can't cast another spell as long as you want them to continue having haste? Right. That's... that's rough. Yeah. That's rough, So you're going to take a... our druid... Our Druid Vera, for example. Let's take her usefulness down to 0% because she needs to maintain concentration. And then we're going to make Dragor maybe 25 to 50% better. Yeah. Mm. It just doesn't... Concentration in many times, it really doesn't add up. The way that I would fix the concentration mechanic is that you just switch it back to 3-5's thing. If it's a buff, then it's a buff. You don't have to concentrate on it being a buff. Right, because certain aspects would be like, it's an aura thing. Mm-hmm, if right. you're a bard and you're singing a song, then yes, you can really kind of only do that. Maybe yeah. you can throw right. in an extra something and you like roll to make sure you're fine. Sure. As, or, or you skip a step or something. Cool. Um, but yeah, this thing of, like, I wouldn't completely say, oh, if you cast another thing... It, it just stops your concentration. Well, it depends. What are you casting? Maybe you can roll to see... Because maybe if you're really good at something, you could be playing your loot, and then maybe you throw a little thing that way, and then you hit the string. Like, in mid-chord, right. you threw mm-hmm. a thing that way, and then it kept going. Well, like, especially if it's a spell that only has verbal components. If I'm doing, like, mm-hmm. counter charm or something, and I want to throw in the words that cast the spell into my song, I should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So that I suppose that's actually how I might do it. I would probably, and it'd be a lot of work, but I'd go through the spell list and like make a, a mark for which spells don't interrupt concentration. Right. I'm just saying, man, like, bless, haste, slow, that sort of stuff should not need concentration. Mm -hmm. It should not need it. I could see something where, let's take haste, because that seems to be the most useful spell that we've seen in the party. Mm -hmm. a an idea where... You have haste on Dragor, so now Veda needs to maintain concentration, mm. and that will last maybe two rounds. Yeah, and that Veda can drop concentration, and then after those two rounds, the spell will fade unless Veda spends a round on concentration, awarding another two rounds of the spell. Mm. Something where it's not, it doesn't completely remove Veda from the game. She can cast haste, so now she knows I have two rounds where I can actually do actions, mm -hmm. and then on that third one, I need to. Reconcentrate. Yeah, you something throw a where bit that, more mana into it. but something that does not completely remove the the caster from the the action economy. Yeah. Oh, it's it's Cause so... really because that's what it, exactly what it's doing is it's removing Veda's action to mm -hmm. give Dragor an extra attack, not even an action, not an a extra attack. One, yeah, and I mean like concentration, you can still make an attack or whatever while you're making a concentration. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just the second that you take damage, you might lose it. Right. If you want to cast a different spell, you like a spellcaster yeah. would, right. you right. lose it. Like, like, if something is concentration, then any other action should be a DC-based thing. Like, you want to attack? Uh, depends on what you're doing. If you want to cast another spell? Uh, well, depends on the spell, and it has a DC attached to it. It makes sense that it would have that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, like, we could make a... Uh, uh, a character ability, like a, a feat that you can take that's like, you know, uh, iron concentration. Right. Where you can just be like, you're better at concentrating on spells. Yeah. You get to, like, the, the spells that would normally break concentration now only break concentration if you fail a DC or something right. like that. Right. Right. That would be super cool. Definitely something to play around with, I would, I would think. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think, like, the, the answer to a lot of the how would you fix this problem is homebrew. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, I think, I have never played in a game, and I've never DM'd a game where we were 100% rules as written. Oh, right. Mm. I don't think that's even a thing. Maybe Adventures League? Well, yeah, for certain aspects, the I always felt that the book should be a starting point. Exactly, or a guideline exactly. to go from. Of course. And the great part about being the host of it is that you get to use that starting point as a reference for the mechanics of combat and how your character functions. But you get to start there and go from there and just do your own thing with it. Mm -hmm. I right. feel you. Right. Man, combat mechanics, though, right? Like, the the mechanics of combat are a little bit different in 5th edition as well. But I feel like one of the main problems that we've had in several of the editions that has not really been mm -hmm. fixed by an official source is initiative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about that right now. We've got an <laughs> internal uh, sponsor that we're going to talk about. Today we're going to talk about Axe Tax. Does your combat seem a little too boring for you? A little too round-robin? A little too predictable? Well, have we got the thing for you! Axe Tax is a new active combat system that utilizes technology to make your combats more unpredictable, real-time based, and more fun in general. If you want to take a look at it, it's free right now at www.axe.tax. With this new combat system, your table's combats will be spiced up. Take things to the next level. Pay the Axe Tax. Thank you, sponsor. No problem, bro. We're going to talk about initiative. Mm-hmm. This is a thing that, like, a lot of different combat systems from different games have tried to fix um, over the past. So, mm -hmm. should we do a quick refresher on previous editions, how it was done, and fifth? Just in case anyone needs to touch up, including me. Well, three, three, five, yeah. and four was just the standard. Okay, it's Dragor's turn, do your thing. Mm -hmm. And then. Then that you was move it. down to the then bottom you move of the down order. next. Right. Second edition. They did spell casting a bit differently, mm -hmm. oh, where man. if you cast a spell, the casting time would drop you in the initiative. Like, it wouldn't happen for a while. It's kind of like the Final Fantasy thing. Like, I cast it, and it takes, like, three weight to cast right. this spell. It takes yeah. plus five right. to cast that spell. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah. And, like, that was a cool idea, but it was a lot to keep track of, which I think is why they got rid of it. Yes. Because they didn't have technology to do it for right. us then. Right, right. We've got that now. 
Like that would be cool because because it's automated, it gives the feel of something like if I'm playing Final Fantasy three or whatever, and I someone to cast Cure, mm-hmm. and I'm have other people fighting, I'm like. Hurry up, cure! Like okay, this person goes, no, come on, cure! Come yeah, on. no, you're casting the spell. It figures out for you. It's gonna do it for you. Mm-hmm, but there's kind of mm-hmm. anticipation of is it gonna happen now? Yeah, happen yeah. Right. Are we gonna now? have right. it happen in time before they <laughs> get it, it makes murdered it or whatever? Feel like the way combat would feel, right? Mm-hmm. And that's hard when you have no automatic tracking. Yes. Yeah. But like, so in other games, they've done different things with it to try to break up the round robin effect. Like mm-hmm. in Shadowrun, they've got. Uh, initiative passes, where if you're a, a pretty fast character, so, like, everyone rolls their initiative and they find their order or whatever, mm-hmm. and then everyone goes through that order once. Mm-hmm. Then, everyone who has more than one initiative pass goes again. Then everyone who's got more than two goes again. Mm-hmm. And three goes again. So you'll get... Like, uh, I had a street samurai character who had four initiative passes. It was ridiculous. <laughs> he would just murder everyone in combat. So, like, it would be like, okay, he goes, then everyone goes, then he goes again. Nobody else has another initiative pass, so he goes again after that, and then again. So he gets one turn, and then everyone goes. Then he gets four turns, and then everyone goes. No, it would not go like that in any reality kind of setting. Mm -hmm. It would be evenly broken up amongst the... Right. The amount of time it takes one person to do an act, he gets two or three acts, right, or, what, or whatever. Right, else, right. How it would happen? Yeah. So like, it was a fun idea, but I think mm. it was it was not implemented very well there. Mm. Um, the game Donjon has the mm. the rules where you just do it however you feel. When combat starts, people say what they want to do, and the GM gets to decide when right. it happens. Yeah. yeah. So that one is kind of the opposite end of it, where <laughs> yeah. it's like. There's really not a rule for it. You guys got to do it's gotta it. Got to kind of make it happen. Yeah. So I feel like uh, a good way to fix that would be to start using technology, right? Like Axe Tax. Mm-hmm. So Axe Tax has a lot of like internal uh, calculations that it does to make sure that everything runs out smoothly. Mm-hmm. Mike, do you want to talk about those a little bit? Yeah. So, so what we did was we we all use phones when we sit down at our table and we roll initiative like normal and we join the website and what happens is as you select actions we assign a tick count to to certain actions a an action being a six a bonus action being a three movement being normally one per square but in dragor's case it's actually he's actually able to move more Mm. uh, because of his barbarian speed Mm -hmm. and what this does is it breaks up combat to where atlas will move two squares and then Dragor will swing his axe, and then Atlas will be able to move and do an action be- before Dragor gets to go again, uh, since... Dragor's thing took longer than what right, Atlas did. Right. right, And now you add in more monsters, you add in more players, and now suddenly you don't know who is going to come up next. It depends on what is happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so the order, it seems like it's completely based on the two main factors of... The initiative that you rolled and the action that you take mm-hmm. are those the two main factors into the how often you go and when you go in the axe tax. In axe tax, you go, you actually get just as many actions as you would mm-hmm. in the normal round robin. Mm-hmm. But when they happen is completely up to what you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's something I'm curious about because depending, because when you mentioned the shadow run and about having the guy have multiple actions. Passes, right. Yeah. Um, and it makes me wonder about certain factors like a character who might not normally do as much damage like Atlas or a rogue character. Right. They might have the initiative so they would go first. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they might go more often in order to match someone else. And so I'm wondering if it's ever something that dexterity would be a factor contributed into order. How often they would go is not just going first, but mm-hmm. how often they go on right, default. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that kind of stuff as well, like uh, having there be mechanics that we can homebrew and like release for axe tax that make it such that like you know your your standard actions take one less tick to do or right. something like that. Right, right. And like it would actually be really cool to have that kind of thing. Yeah. Because then you can just be like, all right, well, uh, combat looks like it's going to start. I'm going to put on my like ring of adrenaline or something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the ring of adrenaline while you have it turned on. 
uh, you know, makes it such that uh, your standard actions and bonus actions cost one less tick mm-hmm. each or something right, like right. that. It's very subtle, but it's definitely enough. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. enough to notice. It's enough to make use of. Okay. And I feel like that would be something that's really cool to, mm-hmm. to look into there. Well, breaking that down, it would be, let's say, a standard action or an action is six ticks. Yeah. If that ring reduced that by one, so that means... For every six actions, you got one for free. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that is that hard to balance. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. not game-breaking. It's right. not game-breaking. It's a nice bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to, to pull it back, we didn't really see any major upsets in how they handle combat in 5th edition. You're still taking an action. Mm-hmm. They did break down the action economy into a much simpler terms. Action, bonus action, movement. And then reaction and as well. And reaction, yeah. Whereas in 3.5, it was standard action, free swift action, action, free action. Well, swift action was a fourth edition thing. Was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. In in third edition, it was you had a full round action. Right. A standard action. Right. A bonus action. Yeah. And a free action. Right. And movement. Yeah, and movement. Yeah. And you could do all of... Well, you couldn't do the full round action. The full round nah. action was like casting a big spell or something right, like right. that. But you could do like six spaces of movement... Uh, a standard action, a bonus yeah. action, and a free action, all in right. w- like in one six-second span. And your standard action in later levels that could be six attacks as a monk. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you do your your flurry of blows, right. and you're suddenly doubling the amount of attacks that you right. do. Yeah. Oh, it was. And then you're intense. hasted, so yeah, you're rolling eight d twenty to see how many times you hit, and right. then it, it, it was... got it got pretty insane. It was super dice heavy. It was very hard to understand how much you can actually do and and throwing that to new players i think that was one of the big turnoffs with um tabletop and now with fourth they they fixed a lot of that and then with fifth it is very easy to understand what you can do on your turn well in fourth edition they quote unquote fixed it by giving you a hand of cards that said like here is the card that you can use during your turn that allows you to attack it flips back over at the beginning of your turn and it made it like a like a bad mobile game, almost. Yeah, that's what they were going for. They they wanted the WoW audience. That was very apparent <laughs> with the whole striker, and it, it was pretty much the, the the triad, the tank, DPS, and healing. Yeah, and it, it was it was interesting, definitely, but um, not what I feel not what the core audience wanted. It didn't. It brought in the new kids, but yeah. it didn't keep them. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Fifth edition, I feel like, is actually really keeping its audience. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, it's it's a fantastic way to get into the game, yep. and it's great for, like, keeping the audience retention, keeping people coming back to the table. Mm-hmm. Like, if you if you jumped into something as rules-heavy as Shadowrun without yep. having played any other games before, of course it's going to be a turn-off. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you jump into, like, a level 14 character in 3.5 or whatever, right. there's a lot of stuff that a you can do. A lot of stuff. That's very right? hard. If you play 3.5 and you start anything past 1 or 2... You're going to be there for a while making your character. Right. I have this, I have that. Okay, what about this combination? Yeah. And I suppose that is, like, one of the, the, taking it back a little bit, if you are rolling a high-level character in 5th edition, it mm-hmm. takes, like, a fraction of the time. Yeah. Because, like, all you really have to choose there are feats. You're right. You choose how many points do I want to put in, or any of it's going to be feats instead, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, roll for my hit points for each level, and there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, like, the the idea of the different versions having just slightly different, like, ways to do combat, like, they've been trying to fix it for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're getting close. I feel like if something like Axe Tax were available to everybody, which it is, which by it the is. way, uh, it would make the combat at a table significantly more right. fun for mm-hmm. people. Right. Especially because, like, you'll get a lot of... Uh, if you have, say, more than four people in a party, like a lot of groups do, because mm-hmm. you have one person who will GM and 14 people who want to play the right, game. Right, So uh, if you have a lot like that, it'll be your turn, and then you don't do anything for 20 minutes. Right. So it's your turn, and then you play on your phone, and you play, you know, uh, Farmville or whatever you're doing. And then your turn comes back up again half an hour later. The whole board has changed. You haven't yep. been paying attention to right. it. With X-Tax, you got to really pay attention to it. you got to make sure that you're watching what's happening, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. your turn might be coming up way sooner than you think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another good thing. 
uh, because like a lot of people are like worried. Oh, you know, if people are using technology at my table, it will distract them. Yeah, it's actually been the opposite with us. Oh mm. yeah, in our case, like we with the phones out, like it's we look down to see who's next when we're coming up and how we can teamwork with other people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then eyes go back on the board right. because we don't know when the monsters are coming. Right. right. Right, right, right. Because if the monsters come in the middle of our teamwork shit, then everything everything. is... That happens every combat with us. Oh, it happens all the time. Oh, it happens all the time. You'll be sitting there thinking, okay, I go in two turns, or two people, I'm second on the list, okay, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, a monster goes and takes a bite out of someone, oh, crap, no, I need to change this up, I need to do something else. And And that's really, that's how a normal fight would go, too. Like, you're thinking, okay, he's going to take a step over here, so I'm going to sweep at his leg, but then he doesn't, Mm -hmm. and you go, okay, Mm -hmm. change of plans. So, I don't know, I think that that's a really clever way to fix out some of the, the issues that we've seen with combat and initiative and people getting bored at the table. Mm-hmm. So, Vincent, yes, sir. favorite thing and worst thing about 5th edition? My favorite thing about 5th edition is probably the advantage-disadvantage system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that instead of doing a bunch of extra math and being like, okay, you're in low light, so you get minus two, yeah. but you've got your <laughs> spectacles of dark vision, so right. you get plus two, so that right. cancels that out, right. and then you've got to do all these calculations it's the second and moon after you drank at a well, so mm-hmm. that's a minus two. Right. Yeah. In, instead, you just go, okay, you've got advantage on this one, right. and you roll two dice and take the better mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. I like that. My least favorite thing is the levels where nothing happens mm. with characters. Dead levels. Because that happens yeah. with every class. It does. Yep. Although I think with the other additions, they might not have had a feat or a skill, but you might have had something. Like, I think some of them, those mechanics were figured in. Like, okay, this level they didn't get a feat or a stat or whatever, but maybe they get, like... Maybe they happen to get plus one to their attack on this level yeah. as a filler. Well, they get a lot of class features in three that we don't <sighs> do. get in five. Do. There were a lot more things that, like, you get things as you progress much more quickly in three than you do in five. Yeah. But in, I mean, like, yes, at, for instance, at Bard 7 or Bard 8 or whatever, uh, you don't get anything. Mm-hmm. You don't get anything at Bard 7 and you don't get anything at Bard 8. At eight, every character gets their ability to take, like, extra to their stats or Mm -hmm. a feat or something like that. But that's an every character thing. It's not special to Mm -hmm. you. You have two dead levels where you get no bard stuff. Right, right, right. Rogues get it. Fighters get it. Fighters don't get it as often. Rangers get it every level. Rangers rangers is every level, yeah. (laughs) So I feel like the idea of the dead levels at the very least they could have put in like a class feature Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. those things because yeah like okay you get access to fourth level spells the fourth level spell list for bards is garbage or you know you you get uh plus one d6 to your your sneak attack damage right okay but i've already got like a magic weapon that gives me plus two d6 to it already right right something like that so i feel like getting more things for your character would be better. Mm-hmm. Dragor, what about you? For the things I like, I mean, there are things that I like, but as far as a favorite, I'm not sure. I mean, I like what my character can do, and I like that he's very good at what he does. Um, and so I definitely like feeling like I play a part mm-hmm. um, in what happens. Um, and it's okay, depending on your player personality can be difficult but I'm okay with having there be moments that there are things I'm not good at and it's like you know just like there are times like oh roll perception or roll whatever and I'm like oh this is not my moment and something will happen but then you roll a 17 anyway <laughs> something because might happen like time. that and it'll just be like whoa um, <laughs> and so I like that I am good at what I do however I think it kind of ties in with the my least favorite and I've kind of touched on this earlier is that with the previous editions, 3.5 and whatnot, for me, and for a lot of things, time invested creates value. And so when I spend more time in 3.5 choosing skills, feats, and details of my character, I feel more invested and I feel more focused mm-hmm. and special about what my character can do. Mm-hmm. I'm more familiar with what my character can do because I spent that time. And so... Yes, there's a bit more of a process involved, but I feel that much uh, happier about the things I do with my character because I spend that much time creating it. With uh, Fifth, 
it was a very short process. It's barbarian. I have rage, which does this. Here's my stats. Here's, I choose two or three skills and that's it. And it's very easy to learn and be familiar with, but I, there are definitely times that it feels very one note, which is, yes, it's both a, can be boring, but also a benefit of a barbarian. And so it's kind of both my favorite and least favorite thing is just how much is involved with my character. All right, Mike, hit it. We're going to do a, a whole podcast episode on the behind the screens, the DMing of 5th edition. So not to go too much into that, but definitely my favorite thing would be the ease of getting into the system. Mm-hmm. That at our table, we've had three that have never done role-playing before, mm-hmm. two that are in the party right now. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea that they are able to understand the rules, understand the concepts, and focus on the RP, that is a breath of fresh air. Right. That I don't need to spend half the session telling them what they can and can't do. They know. Mm-hmm. And that, that's been very nice. That's been great to see our players be able to grow so quickly. The What I don't like is how explosive characters are in the sense that with only a few levels into a class you gain so much power so quickly. All right. And it's also on the monster side too, just how in combat in general, it's very quick. A long combat is about four rounds. Mm-hmm. Four to five rounds is, is about what you're going to see and you're just getting started in 3-5. <laughs> a dragon fight in 3-5 is going to take you a good 20, That's your 25 rounds. That's your mm-hmm. session, yeah. But here in in 5th edition... I'd say dragon fight lasts 10 rounds at most. At most. Mm. At most. And that is a, a very, very tough thing to balance. And we'll touch on balance. We'll touch on CR system. That's going to be a whole podcast oh, is yeah. the CR system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We're going to talk about... So our, our next podcast mm-hmm. that Mike will be here, mm-hmm. because he's going to be missing next week, uh, we're going to talk about things like psionics. <laughs> and uh, the balance system for CR and some other things that be, are uh, notoriously bad. Yeah, I'm going to need some, some whiskey for that one. <laughs> hey, yeah, we, we'll, we'll definitely make mm. sure that you are yeah. uh, hydrated properly. <laughs> sure. Well, that should wrap it up for this mm-hmm. week. Thank you guys very much for coming and listening to us. Mm. I hope that you have uh, enjoyed the podcast wherever you found it, be it on iTunes or YouTube or wherever we end up mm. putting these as well. Mm. Uh, go ahead and, when you have a chance, give us a good, solid review on iTunes. It helps people find us. It's super cool if you could do that for us. Uh, we really appreciate you guys coming and supporting us as well. If you want to help support us by uh, keeping making these guys going, making sure that we can do these every week mm-hmm. so that we can give you this quality D&D-style podcast, you can throw us some support at the Patreon link that will be somewhere, but it's uh, patreon.com slash arcanestatic. Mm-hmm. When you go on, you can uh, leave us a message as, you know, like, hey, I really like your podcast, and we'll look at it and giggle like schoolgirls. <laughs> And also check out uh, axe.tax if you want to try our combat system. There's a link in there for the Discord. I'm on that all the time. Come chat with us. Uh, Pretty good stuff. You can help support the development of that one as well. Give it a shot. See mm-hmm. what you think. Dragor, anything you want to plug? Um, no, I think you got it. And I definitely recommend the uh, Axe Tax because uh, for whatever factor, whether you are a player or running the game yourself, I think it'll just be another tool that can help the process just go a bit smoother. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so you can just definitely benefit from uh, taking part in that and just sharing it with others. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Right. Well, with that, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming to the second episode of Tokyo Table Talks. We'll see you next time. Cue the outro music. Mm. (laughs) Woo (laughs) woo.